There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Raider Nation, it is Friday night. That means you get to pull up a chair, grab a cold adult beverage if you're 21 and over, have some food, talk to a loved one, and let's think about some Raiders football. It is time for Southern California's only All Raiders talk show. That, of course, is Silver and Black tonight here on the mightier 1090 espn radio the boomer the 50,000 watt station booming up the west coast from baja to the canadian rockies hope you're listening to us wherever you may be thanks for being with me i'm scott Branson, along with my special co-host today mo moton is still on assignment he is still busy uh and and no he's okay no he didn't quit <laughs> no we didn't fire him he is okay but joining me the award-winning host of fresno's morning news on and of course the cg program on saturdays up on the big station up there which is kmj who just turned 100 years old by the way he is not 100 years old uh but here he is christopher gabriel thanks for being with me buddy it's good to see you again oh scotty it's great to see you it's always a pleasure to have a chance to join you join raider nation and you know mo moat i'm glad you mentioned that because as you can see right here (laughs) I received an ominous phone call a couple of hours ago saying contractually there needed to be some sort of reference to Mo. So there it is. Mo Moten is watching. Uh, I just think that it's important to have that up there. But to, no, it's always a treat. And plus, you're going to be on my program tomorrow. I am excited about it. I'm, I'm getting up early. I'm getting my coffee ready. I'm going to have some breakfast. I need yes. a full stomach, I think, to be on the CGP. <laughs> right? I, I got I to gotta be ready. That's it's it. game day. You got it. We it's game day. We're you know we are baking crazy. So you know I've, I've got a little <laughs> catering coming over to your house. So we're gonna be all set. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and for those of you listening on the Mightier 1090, we also simulcast the show on YouTube. So Chris was talking about a sign he has behind him uh, there in his home studio, uh, which says Mo Moten is watching. For those of you listening on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, not watching, that's what it is. So uh, we're doing that. But thank you for joining us there, or we're wherever you may be. Now, this week, again, Raider Nation, so much news. The Raiders go out. They continue to fill the roster to remake the roster in the vision of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel. You know, the guys who have some rings, maybe Super Bowl rings. They are making their name uh, out there in the NFL. They are being part of this crazy, crazy early part of of the new NFL year, the Raiders go out. They get defensive tackle Vernon Butler. They get linebacker Kyle Fackrell. They get tight end Jacob Hollister, linebacker Micah Kaiser, one of the kids I loved coming out of college, as well as defensive end um, uh, Kyle Pecco, just to name a few. Then you add in another big piece to complete the wide receiver room. That is Demarcus Robinson, of course. He formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, CG, this Demarcus Robinson, you bring in him with, oh, a guy by the name of Devontae Adams with Hunter Renfro. Man, what what a player to get. Uh, and not just for the normal reasons that he's a talented receiver, but how is that room going to shape up now that you've added kind of the final chess piece, and that is Demarcus Robinson? 
Well, I'm glad you kept DeMarcus last because of all the names you mentioned, and there's some good names in there, he's the one that really jumps out at me. And as far as the room goes, I think that room is going to keep some defensive coordinators up at night. <laughs> the thing about DeMarcus Robinson is here's a guy, before we get to even his physicality, uh, his athleticism, here's a guy who is coming to the Raiders from a winning culture. And I don't know, you know, he won a Super Bowl with him. I don't know that we always put enough stock in that. But you want to have bodies in the room, uh, in the practice facility, at Allegiant Stadium, that know how to win, that know how to get it done, that know what it takes. You cannot overstate the importance of that. He's been there. He's put up big numbers. He's put up big numbers against the Raiders. And I think what's going to happen is you mentioned Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, just by his sheer talent, his brilliance on the field, his presence alone, Scotty, is going to create space for oh, yeah. uh, for Hunter Renfro for every and for Demarcus Robinson. They there's going to be so much attention paid to Devontae that these guys a guy like Demarcus is going to be able to to find much more space than, than maybe he would normally get uh going to a different team after he left Kansas City. I would say this also. You know, I remember when he came into the league, uh, his 40 time wasn't great and there there were a lot of folks saying, "Ah, you know, he's not that fast." But when you watch him play, uh, he runs great routes. He has fantastic hands. And I have seen him, you have seen him pull away from plenty of defensive backs. I think he's the complete package. And I think he's going to bring a special element to this Raiders team in 2022. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up too, because one of the things that I noticed about him was uh, over the last two years, three dropped passes. So this guy is sure-handed, CG. And to me, you know, you need that. You have Hunter Renfro, you have Devontae Adams now. Here's another guy, and your point about a winning culture, of course, you have two guys running the franchise on the football side now that come from a winning culture. And you see the players that they've gone out to to get, and you see that too. And you're right. Demarcus Robinson, some of the folks were saying, well, he hasn't been that good the last two years. That That's over. I mean, you and I were talking before we went on the air. That's overrated. I mean, you have the talent and what he's going to be able to bring to that team and that wide receiver room. You can't dismiss it like that. One of the things that makes me crazy with, uh, in particular, the NFL and the NBA is when you hear, well, you know, his his numbers are declining. You know, he, <laughs> he's probably past his peak. And a lot of times I think there are so many intangibles. You've been in locker rooms. I've been in locker rooms. Fans don't necessarily see, and pl plenty of media members don't necessarily see the full picture. They might see what's happening on the field. They don't know what's happening off the field. And a lot of times it's as simple as a guy needs a change of scenery. A guy needs to get with a different situation. Listen, who wouldn't want to play with Patrick Mahomes? Who wouldn't want to play uh, you know, for Andy Reid and in that stadium? But you've got a situation now where you've got a tremendous coaching staff. You have an unbelievable fan base uh, in Raider Nation, a great stadium, and you have excitement, right? With all the bodies that are coming into Henderson, you have a you have a, a Raiders organization that now is a place that guys want to be guys want to yeah. go back to the Raiders again. And, and that might sound corny to some fans, but Raiders fans who've been around for 20, 30, 40 years following this team, you certainly understand this, that when you become a destination franchise again, that's what you want. And when a guy like Devonte Adams says, you know what? I'm going to the Raiders. That that's a, that's a real beacon for other players to say, if Devonte Adams is going there, I want to be a part of that. Right. And last week, a guy like Chandler Jones, right? For, uh, here's yep. one of the yep. best pass rushers in the NFL. 
he wanted to go there. Uh, and so you see this and you start to see the power of the shield we talked about. The Raiders brand has always been strong, even through the very, very lean years. It had weight, but you're right. When you get that kind of talent, you have a veteran quarterback in Derek Carr. Uh, you see what they're doing on defense. And then don't under don't underscore, or I, sh- I shouldn't say, I haven't underscored enough the Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler piece of that too, which is you're a player. Hey, he worked for the hoodie. He knows how to win. He's been part of organizations that build up and win Super Bowls. So for players, it's becoming very, very much a destination. Add in the tax situation in Nevada, and that's not bad either. So uh, it's one of those deals. But but CG, the other thing too is you you've seen the Raiders' activity. But the NFL overall, the Deshaun Watson trade to Cleveland, that is crazy. This has been the most insane preseason slash beginning of the NFL year that anyone has ever seen. And I really believe that is true. We're suddenly seeing it become more like the NBA. See, I never thought, Christopher, that we would see fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL like we saw with Watson. Now you're starting to see other players, Tyreek Hill, you're starting to see these guaranteed deals come. All the agents around the world, we just had uh, uh, Lee Steinberg on a couple weeks ago, they're all smiling and on their knees thanking God that the NFL owners want to win now and understand they got to tie these guys up but it's becoming more like that the players are demanding it players are moving more what do you make of all of that boy the two words that come come to mind with uh, based upon what you just said risk reward Mm. Uh, there's a lot of that in play right now and you have owners uh in the national football league all these owners in different uh different leagues they all know each other they all see what each other's doing and everybody has a hunger to win, a need to win, a desire to win. That, that's why we play the games. That's why they're signing players. That's why they're writing big checks. But I think now that we see, and, and we have you know the phrase "art imitates life," well, you're seeing mm. the NFL imitate college and vice versa. In college, you have the portal. That's players are moving around. Players are wanting to go and play with a different guy, play for a different system. And I think in the NFL now, seeing ownership willing to give this guaranteed money and guys wanting to, you know, I, you know what? I want to spend the last three or four of my uh, years of my career. I want to go play with Derek Carr. I want to go play with Tom Brady for a year or two. Guys understand that they can do that and get the kind of money that maybe players have never gotten before. However, it's the risk part of this that I think is the, is the danger because a lot of guys are getting signed for a lot of money. And some of these guys are a little bit older. Uh, some of these guys mm-hmm. maybe do legitimately fall into the, their numbers are a little down. And so it, it's a little bit like a, a parallel to what we see when you go to a, a casino in Vegas, in, in Las <laughs> Vegas. And that is that, you know, you, you know what you're doing, you know how to play blackjack, you know how to play the, you know, the tables, but there's always going to be a little bit of risk. And in this case, there's a lot of risk. It's a high stakes game. Everybody wants to win. No doubt about it. And the other thing too, that, that strikes me as you were talking about that CG is the fact that for fans, you know, one of the one of the things I look, I love all sports, right? Just like you, I'm a baseball guy too, and and I, one of the things that I remember as a child, even with NFL, with the NBA, with baseball in particular, was players played at least most of their career in one spot. Now, free agency obviously changed that. We've seen that in in sports like baseball, it doesn't matter anymore. In basketball, it happens all the time too. The NFL, you didn't see a lot of in-season trades. You didn't see these blockbuster trades like you're seeing now. So I have a good friend, my good friend Phil Wiseman in Las Vegas. He's a Seahawk fanatic, right? He grew up in Seattle, and he loved Russell Wilson. And all of a sudden, this guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer is suddenly traded 
one could argue, is he over the hill? Not really. I mean, he's still in his prime. He's still a young guy. He still can do it, uh, but he's gone. Is this going to be something, too, that fans are going to have to get used to? I mean, the long guaranteed contracts for some of these guys makes you say, no, they're not going to be gone. But in other cases, we're starting to see players dictate where they want to go versus just staying where they are. Well, you make some great points there. And I think the the general rule to fans is don't buy a jersey with a player's name on it because, <laughs> uh, you know, that player is, is going to move. And you and I grew up in the era, and you, you stated it beautifully, where these guys not only played most of their career uh, careers in that one town, but they were part of the fabric of the city. They yes. were intertwined with the culture, with the vibe, uh, you know, the social milieu, as it were, of the mm. city. Now, um, you, you can make an argument that players don't care about that. Players only care about the money. I think to a certain degree, depending upon the player you're talking about, that's true. But I do think that fans need to understand this is the, the these are the new parameters. These are the rules of the game, so to speak. The players are, are basically rewriting the rules of how this works on a on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis, and the fact that ownership is willing to to go along with it, you you have to decide as a fan, am I a fan of the player or am I a fan of the team? Of the team, yeah. No, that, that's that's very true. I mean, that's going... And then you've had teams... I mean, you've had, like, the Raiders. They move right now. Raider Nation... So you saw some fans in Oakland just throw in the towel and say, if you're leaving, I'm not a fan. But most of all, they stayed true to the silver and black. Uh, and so you have even that going on. Um, let's talk about the can, AFC. Can I, can I yeah, go ahead. Go, of course. Because, because, because when Tom, I had Tom Flores on my show. Yeah. And, and it really speaks to what you just said. I asked him, how do you feel about the Raiders in Las Vegas? And, he, and without missing a beat, he said, they should be in Oakland. They mm. should be in Oakland. But then he added very quickly, however, if you're a Raiders fan, if you love the Raiders, you don't care where they're playing. You are still a Raiders fan. And I think that he spoke so beautifully about it, passionately. You understood that he missed them leaving the East Bay, but he was just fine. It's still the Raiders. It's still yeah. the Raiders. And even, I mean, even John Madden, of course, who just passed and, and at the memorial service, his wife, they talked about that too, right? It's not anything against Las right. Vegas. I think when the move was happening and, and when I first started going on the radio to cover the Raiders three years before they moved to Las Vegas, uh, there was a lot of that, like, well, you're stealing our team and all that. Now people have moved <laughs> yeah. to an acceptance and it's not against Vegas, but it's sort of like, hey, if you have a home and you're forced to leave, uh, then you have a different field about it. So, so I understand that. Now, we talk about the AFC West, CG, and you look at what's happened in the last week in the AFC West. Devonta Adams becomes a Raider, okay, after Khalil Mack had become a Raider. Then Chandler Jones. Then now you see Tyreek Hill gets sent packing. He goes to the Miami Dolphins for a bunch of draft picks. The Chiefs now have 12 draft picks, I think, in the first five rounds, um, the most of any team, by the way. Um, so they, they, they get rid of Tyreek Hill. They couldn't come to an extension with him. Has, has the, with Hill gone in Kansas City, is this division now, are the Raiders legitimately the best team in the division, or is this division just so good overall, it's going to take us a week-by-week scenario to understand who's going to emerge from it? Well, I think it's a that's a great question. And I think it's a little bit of both, Scott, because as you look at the rosters and knowing that I was coming on uh, your program, as I look at the rosters on paper, I like where the Raiders are at. I think mm-hmm. the Raiders absolutely and Tyreek is 
is sort of the the balancing stick that when he leaves uh, and with Devontae Adams coming in, I do put the nod with the Raiders. But I also think this reminds me a little bit of the NFC East back when Dallas, Philly, uh, Washington, and the Giants, I mean, they yeah. were beating the hell out of each other. And it basically took a 9-7 and seven year to win that division. I think we're going to see a lot of these teams beating up on each other. But I really believe, you know, we talked about Devontae Adams. We talked about uh, Demarcus Robinson. But what about what about our guy, Derek Carr? Derek Carr has got to be just drooling, thinking about what he's <laughs> going to be able to do. Because, look, he has – I've always said on my program that he's got, to me, top five, top ten NFL talent. And with the weapons that he has at his disposal, we haven't even – you and I haven't even talked about the running game with the – the ability for the run to set up the pass or the yeah. pass to set up the run and assuming that he gets the kind of coverage he needs, I do believe that a case can be made for the division running through Las Vegas. It may not be by much, Scott, but I yeah. do think you, you can make that case. And I also think, is it possible, I'll ask you a question, is it possible that every team in this division could make the playoffs? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I said that uh, just a few days ago. I was I was doing another talk show in Kansas City, and I said, you know what? You could see, I think, three, no doubt, and four, no possibly. Doubt. Now, again, beating up on each other, to use your example from the NFC East of old, if you go nine and seven, are you going to make the playoffs? It depends. The AFC is overall, to me, now far better conference. Now, you have Tom Brady in the other Easy. one. I get that. But if you look at what's going on in the AFC outside the West, too, it's pretty crazy. So, I yeah, I think you could look at all four teams do it. Uh, but I do think Raider fans, who often are, no offense to my, to my listeners and viewers out there in Raider Nation, but you all get a little sensitive about national media. <laughs> and the national media is, again, poo-pooing the Raiders, saying that they're the fourth-best team in the division. And you know what? I think that's good. I think it's good yeah. to be underrated, especially with what they've added, especially going in. The Raiders, as a history, as an organization, have a chip on their shoulder. So keep the chip there. Don't be the perennial favorites ever. Be the guys they say are going to come in fourth and go out and do it. And I think you're right. I think they have a good chance of doing it uh, because of all of the things you just mentioned. They got a couple holes to fill, but overall, uh, this team is positioned well, and they're keeping up with the Joneses in the division. And I've got to address your point about the national media because you're you're so right. And fans get nuts over <laughs> when they read something that somebody is saying. And if I may, I'm going to offer a parallel. Uh, you know, I I did my show. I was in. I spent six years in Fargo, North Dakota, and uh, there was a, there was an article written from a New York publication about how there's nothing to do in Fargo. Why would I go to Fargo? Even though that writer had never, admittedly, never been to Fargo. Bottom line is the paper in Fargo set, brought her out and she changed her tune 180 degrees. Wow. Wrapping that into the Raiders, who cares what yeah. the national media is saying? With all due respect to our colleagues at the national level, mm -hmm. so many of these guys are processing numbers, running the numbers, looking at the data. But they are not in Henderson every day. They are not following the Raiders every day. You know, they're following 32 teams. They're looking at what everybody is doing. And so they don't have the same latitude for specificity as you do, uh, as, you know, as Levi, who's coming on a little bit later, uh, as he does. And so I would just say it's I know it's, it's a hard ask, but just relax it don't, doesn't matter what so-and-so in new york or philly or dallas or tampa yeah. bay is writing about the raiders right and by the way 
there is there is a lot of clicks and attention given uh, when you bag on the Raiders. And these guys know they're content producers, right? We're content producers. We understand uh, if you hit the right button, people will respond. So that's a little bit of it too, but I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we're coming up here on our first break. By the way, make sure you follow Christopher at CG program cg program i got that right on twitter and if you get a chance listen to his show uh, it's not just fresno information it's not just fresno news uh christopher is an accomplished radio host and has fascinating guests and subject matter on his show on kmj and fresno uh, you can also catch him on saturdays on the cgp which i will be on tomorrow as we mentioned earlier so we're excited about that uh, but make sure you do that make sure you follow the show snb tonight on twitter i am at lv gully as well when we come back from the break we're going to be joined by one of the great guys that we talk to a lot here on the show and that is uh, levi edwards he's a digital reporter for the raiders on raiders.com phenomenal young writer he's got a great story about hbcus historically black colleges universities the raiders history in drafting players out there and he's going to give you some names of guys to watch the raiders don't have a first and a second round draft pick this year so what might they do with three four and five Maybe one of these guys could be the answer for the Raiders. We're going to come back. Levi Edwards on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Now back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio here in Southern California. Scott Branson, Christopher Gabriel with you tonight. And coming up this segment, we're gonna, we have a special guest of course, joining us. Uh, and that is uh, a good friend of ours. Mr. Levi Edwards, a digital reporter over at Raiders.com. Levi, thanks for being with us, man. You guys are burning the midnight oil in Henderson. Uh, so many player movements going on there. It's got to be exciting to be around the building. It's extremely exciting to be around the building. You just get a sense of newness. You get a sense of freshness around. Every time you go in, it's just so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to go on. You don't know who's going to get traded or who's going to come in or what signing is going to happen. There's just so much cool things really just happening around the building and within the organization. Yeah. And, and the Raiders addressing so many needs, uh, but what we wanted to talk to you about today uh, tonight was really about a piece you wrote that I found fascinating. Uh, and that was around the Raiders and possibly looking at some players from HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Now the Raiders, Levi, as you mentioned in your piece, and if, some, if people haven't read it, go up to Raiders.com and check it out. Uh, the Raiders have a history of this, of, of not only diversity in the organization, but tapping into the HBCUs for players. Maybe three guys people have heard of, like Jerry Rice, like Art Shell, and like Willie Brown. I think all of Raider Nation know who those three guys are. Uh, but talk a little bit about that, Levi, the history of HBCUs, Al Davis and the Raiders looking there and giving opportunities to those players and those players flourishing on uh, the Raiders. Well, when it comes down to it, uh, especially within HBCUs or just any small schools, is when you put on the tape, uh, it doesn't matter how small of a school is or what level of competition they play. If you look at a certain player and you look at the film, 
if they're good, they're good. And that's what it comes down to. And Al Davis being the great, the great person of being able to evaluate talent as he was, he could see certain people on film and be like, you know what? I don't care where this guy went to school. <laughs> I don't care who he did against, you know, Willie Brown is good. Art Shell is good. Uh, Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley, San Francisco 49ers didn't care who he played against. He didn't, you know, this guy is a baller and the Raiders picked him up and he did great things with them. And especially excited that we just re-signed Brandon Parker for another season, a guy who's from North Carolina, A&T, my home state, uh, or Alabama's my home state, but I grew up in Charlotte. So it's great to see him come back because I feel that even though people said what he said about his season, uh, he played with heart and he did his job to the best of his ability. And I'm glad to see him get another season with the Raiders and really show what he can do under this new offense with Josh McDaniels. Levi, I, I read your piece and it's really good. And I was thinking about this and I want to pose this to you and allow me a, a minute or so to kind of frame this the right way. So I spent six years doing my program in Fargo, North Dakota. And in those six years, I had a chance to be up close and personal covering North Dakota State. I'm going to tie into that my good friend Tommy Tran, who is an anchor at CBS Sports HQ, and he was just at the NFL Combine. And I asked him, do guys from HBCU, uh, do guys from FCS, do they get the same attention? Do they get the same notoriety generally? And just without hesitation, he said no. And I've often wondered why that is, that both of those run this parallel course where you've got tremendous talent at both historically black college and universities and uh, at FCS, but they don't get the same shake. So how does, how does the culture of the NFL start to change, Levi? How do teams start to say, you know what, we've got all these FBS schools, we've got 130 of them out there, but there is significant talent that maybe – is not getting out into the limelight. How does that begin to change? Uh, like I said, uh, you just have to watch the tape. That's what it comes down to. You got to watch the tape and you got to evaluate this talent, these talent, talented young guys, and just say, if you're good, you're good. Our Super Bowl MVP, our running Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup, Eastern Washington University. That is a FCS school. He was the Walter Payton Award winner, uh, I believe, once or twice in his time there, and he was your Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, had one of the greatest seasons for a receiver that we've seen in recent memory. So for to be able to let these guys slip through the cracks, Cooper Cup, I believe, was a second, third round pick. You let a guy like Cooper Cup go that far because you're nervous about where he went to school or what kind of talent <laughs> he went against and will he be able to do it against better talent. It's absurd. If, if you can watch the tape and you can spend time with these guys, and you can evaluate their character and what they can do. It doesn't matter who they did it against. They'll be able to do it against anyone in the world or in the nation. And we've seen that countless times with so many FCS players and with uh, so many HBCU players uh, growing up. Steve McNair uh, was one of my favorite quarterbacks and he came from Alcorn State and he did great things. Michael Strahan did great things. All of these guys that came from these programs, they did great things in college and there just wasn't enough people to see it because of the competition and they just got the benefit of the doubt. And that's why I'm so happy that you have guys like Deion Sanders that I also highlighted a little bit in the piece. You have guys like Deion Sanders going to Jackson state and he's doing what he's doing. You have guys like Eddie George, he's going back and he's doing what he's doing and even kind of shifting over to sports a little bit. You have Reggie Theus going back to Bethune Cookman doing what he's doing. So it's just so many guys that have made it, 
to where they are and they want to give back to those schools and really give them a spotlight to really do what they're doing, I think is fantastic. And I would love to see more of it as we continue on in HBCUs and in FCS schools. Yeah, Reggie Theus, of course, a UNLV running rebel. Um, Levi Edwards from Raiders.com is our guest here. We're talking about his story. Now, um, Levi, you mentioned some guys in your story that could be Raiders targets. Now, of course, we know the team's needs. Some of them they have addressed amazingly already in the offseason, including wide receiver. Uh, but you look at defensive back. You look at cornerback safety. They've made acquisitions there already. Rocky Sin is, is one, of course, that comes to mind, one of my favorite young players, and I'm glad to see him in silver and black. But you look at the draft and some of these great young HBCU players coming out, and there's a couple names you, you started with here. Kobe Durant from South Carolina State, the talented cornerback. Talk a little bit about him. Why might he be a good fit in Patrick Graham's system uh, and on the Raiders? Well, something that I looked at when I was kind of evaluating guys that could come in and do things the right way within the system is how well versed they were in college with different defenses. So all of these guys that I tried to highlight and look at are guys that were able to play in multiple defenses or play multiple while they were in college. You know, they, they have experience, not just with three, four, but with four, three or with other, you know, other fronts as well. And so that's going to be something huge within Patrick Graham's defense because he's going to be the guy. Of course, how things are looking right now is going to be a base 3-4. That's how things are looking. But when it comes down to it, you don't know what defense he's going to put out there at mm. any time to go up against any any offensive front because he's just going to play personnel versus personnel. That's what he's been very open about, not just coming to the Raiders, but since he's been with the Giants. So Marquise Bell, uh, the safety from Florida A&M, he's a guy who is very well at playing multiple and he can go and play in different fronts and he can play, you know, from the back end all the way as a as a single high safety, all the way to kind of coming up in the box and kind of being a guy like Jonathan Abram. Uh, also, Kobe Durant is a guy who's very impressive. Kobe Durant is kind of like when you look at his when you look on the film and you look at his skill set, he kind of reminds you of the Jim Thorpe Award winner from this year which is Kobe Bryant. Yep. And he's a guy that he's a little undersized, uh, definitely needs to add a little bit of weight, but he has speed and he can cover. And whenever somebody catches the ball, he'll be there to either bat it down or he'll be there to get the tackle. And so uh, you, you have to love someone who's sticky on defense. That's something that you have to have. It's a, it's a must if you want to succeed in this league, especially with the pedigree that South Carolina state guys have. I mean, you, you've seen what Darius Leonard's done to the Raiders the past couple of years and you've seen what uh javon hargrove you know he's been calling he's been balling uh since he's been in the league so south carolina state is known to produce really good defensive players especially as of recent memory so i definitely think kobe uh coming off of the miak defensive player of the year award i think he can easily be another one of those guys that can come in and follow their legacy yeah and and and, and levi oh go ahead chris what about oh i'm sorry no, I was just going to say, as long as we're throwing some names out, one name that uh, Levi mentioned that really jumped out at me uh, and uh, reading up on him a little bit, Akil Glass from Alabama A&M. What do you think about him? Akil Glass is, uh, I hate to put it like this, but he's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say, I guess, I, I, I don't want to say like, you know, like dollar brand, but he's kind of like, uh, 
I guess your common man's Malik Willis. You have all these mm. guys that are very uh, high end on Malik Willis, and I mean, you should be high on Malik Willis. He's a baller, another great FCS player. And even what you were talking about uh, when with the combine, I was at the combine, and no, FCS players did not get the same amount of love or the same amount of attention. The only person I can remember that got any real big attention from any FCS school uh, was Trevor Penning. Uh, and even though Liberty is not a uh, FCS school, it's a, a group of five school. And so uh, they got a little bit of attention uh, from Malik Willis, but everyone else uh, was just kind of was just there to be there and talk to their local media. Um, but Akil Glass is one of those guys that has a very similar skill set to Malik Willis. And when I say that, I mean he can run. He's pretty fast and he's very athletic. And two, he has one of the prettiest deep balls you'll see. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly you know, sure who his receivers were. Um, I'm not sure uh, if his receivers will play on the next level. But for him to be able to do what he did with those guys and always make sure he gets the ball um, where he needs to get it to, I feel was a very good telling sign. He's, I think he's one of the most underrated passers uh, in this draft class if I'm going to be frank with you. Very intriguing guy. Put up great numbers. I believe he had almost uh, 1,100 passing yards hmm. in college in his four years. He was at Alabama A&M, had over 100 touchdowns. Guy's a baller um, when you look on the film and he can run. He also did what he did with kind of a uh, below average offensive line, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, to be nice. So for him to do what he did with the people that were around him, if you kind of – if he gets – going in the right program or not the right program, but the right NFL team that can develop him and make him know what he is. Uh, I definitely think he'd be a great, you know, sixth, seventh round pick or a UDFA that's going to get his name called yeah. for sure. And I think he can uh, compete for somebody's job. I would yeah. Say. And, and with, with Derek Carr, the starter uh, in Las Vegas, uh, hopefully for years to come, then, you know, it's it's a guy that you can let develop too, which in the NFL isn't very popular anymore because they want quarterbacks to come in, especially if you're looking for starter quarterback, starting quarterback. Um, you talked there about his offensive line, Glass's offensive line, the Raiders' offensive line. We know that's one area the Raiders still want to get better at. You mentioned the signing, re-signing of Brandon Parker. Uh, they need to go out and get some more depth there too. Is there anybody that you, or you mentioned one, guy actually in your piece uh, on the offensive line in that HBCU class that you would look at? Uh, definitely uh, the guard from Southern, um, Carter, uh, the tier guard uh, Carter. He is massive for one. Uh, he, is, he fits the frame of what you need. He Going into his senior season, actually, he was a little undersized at guard. And he's a guy that was, uh, he, he was mostly a basketball player. He was a small forward kind of like Zion type small forward coming out of high school. And he had offers to go play basketball in high school. And then he was like, you know what? I think that with my skill set and where my body's going right now, I need to go play football and kind of try that out. And I think that can get me to the league. And he's not wrong. He bet on himself. And now, you know, he's one of four HBCU players that were invited to the combine who attended. And on top of that, he had a really great combine. Man did not give up a sack and college <laughs> whatsoever and so go and that was as an undersized guard he was undersized Amazing. he was 275 soaking wet and then going into his senior year going into the combine he put up 40 pounds so now this guy he's about a solid six four six five 315 pounds he has the tools 
to he, he's mean he has a mean streak i really like this guy he's definitely somebody that could be a fifth six round pick even though i know the raiders don't possess a six round pick at the moment but he's definitely somebody that i would definitely take a little bit of a look into you know one of those later rounds definitely a monster when it comes to the offensive line and the Raiders, like you said, Scott, they're trying to build up depth on the offensive line. Um, I think it's a very interesting telling tale that they were able to re-sign Brandon Parker and mm-hmm. uh, Jermaine Illuminor. I think that that's McDaniel's way of saying, you know what, from what I saw, I have confidence in these guys. I think I can build these guys up to be better than what you saw last year. So I'm looking forward to them really building up depth and competition within this offensive line. Yeah, and that's the thing, Levi. The, I think a lot of people look at what's happened with the Raiders so far and, and the, the, the sheer number of signings that they've done, both re-signings, trades, and free agent acquisition, is this idea that, you know, last year, 10-7, and 7, you make the playoff. You're a playoff team, right? So you don't necessarily expect a team to bring that many guys in. But Josh McDaniels and, of course, Dave Ziegler – they have a vision, and I think they're executing against that vision. If you remember, Raider Nation was very nervous the first day of the of the open tampering period when nothing happened. Uh, but but these guys came with rings, Levi, and they are executing against the plan. Uh, and it, it really shows uh, by who they've signed, how they fit into this program with the Raiders. Uh, and it's very exciting. I mean, I think fans more than ever – are excited now about what's happening. They were excited last year with the progress, despite all of the things that happened to this team last year. They came through that on the other side, and now they're building that depth. That's what you have to do in the AFC. And now the AFC West, Tariq Hill's gone. Devontae Adams is in. The Raiders in this division, uh, it's going to be a new black and blue division, don't you think? I mean, they're going to beat up on each other. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I just kind of chuckled a little bit when you were talking uh, just because <laughs> it was just so funny going on Twitter. You go on Twitter the first two days during opening <laughs> tampering. And you see Raider Nation freaking out because you let J.C. Jackson go to the Chargers and Khalil Mack goes to the Chargers. And you have Randy Gregory, you know, resending out of Dallas and he's going to Denver. And it's just kind of like everybody's getting worried after two days. And then lo and behold, you get Chandler Jones, you trade for Rocky Sin, and then you get Devontae Adams, top three, top two, maybe top one wide receiver in the league right now. So now things are – the tune is looking a little different right now when it comes <laughs> to what Raider Nation thinks about the offseason. But, yeah, no, it's going to be a dogfight. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't cap. I don't think anybody can cap about what the AFC West is going to look like this season. Uh, literally, you can tell me any team – you can just say, fill in the blank, will win the AFC West. I'll believe you. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and, and I think, Levi, I think during the course of the season, you're going to see, you know, you'll see two weeks where you think, oh my gosh, Denver, and then you'll see two or three weeks where, oh my gosh, the Raiders, it's going to go back and forth because there's always ebb and flow to every professional football season, even with the best teams. So it, it's going to be really exciting. All I know is that you and the rest of the staff there on Raiders Way in Henderson, just off of St. Rose Parkway, you guys uh, have been burning the midnight oil, uh, and the amount of content coming out of the shop there is great. If you don't read Levi Edwards yet up on Raiders.com, make sure you do it. Levi, we appreciate you spending so much time with us tonight, and we'll catch up with you very, very soon. No problem. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, It's been great. I'm really looking forward to really getting into the draft, uh, even though – 
you know, F them picks round one, round two. I'm not going to be very busy, but uh, round three, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to get to work round three, day two. We're the here fun, for it. The fun rounds. Levi Edwards. Thanks, man. You have a good one. Thank you. You too. Wow. Great. Again, thank you to LeviEdwardsRaiders.com for joining us and uh, CG. I mean, the, the history with HBCUs and the Raiders, it's always worked out well for them for the most part. I'm sure there's examples of it not, uh, but I think your point about FCS, HBCU, with technology now too, it's easier to find these guys, but like Levi said, everybody deserves a chance, and you either have the talent or you don't. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think the fulcrum here is Levi was saying, hey, listen, just watch the tape, and he's yeah. right about that, but I think the problem goes deeper, uh, Scotty, and that is, you got to get guys to watch the tape because I do believe, and that's why I brought up the FCS part of it with FCS and with uh, HBCU, that there is a perception reality problem for a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of executives, probably not as much with general managers, but you have to get people past the perception and understand that the reality is, as Levi said, there are tremendously talented players out there. You do. Uh, just amazing. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. There's also some some big free agents still out there at positions of need for the Raiders. Of course, uh, Stephon Gilmore is out there. Tyron Matthew is still out there. Uh, a lot of Raider fans have gotten on that, uh, especially Gilmore. So I think, CG, we're going to see another crazy uh, week ahead next week uh, and really just up until the draft as these teams uh, jockey. I mean, there's been so much movement. Uh, they're going to have to keep up. But listen, man, I want to thank you for jo- I know I'm going to be on your show in Fresno tomorrow. I'm excited about it. Yes, that. yes, you will. I, I, you know what? Uh, you're a headliner. And uh, anytime <laughs> that I have a chance to pin you down, because you, you're at, like on 65 different shows, you host 37 of them. Oh. And, and Mo, you know, Mo, Mo's watching. You know, Mo's watching. watching so, you got to watch this uh, But, you know, it's, it's going to be a treat to have you on tomorrow. I appreciate you being here, and we'll have you on again uh, very, very soon, my friend. I appreciate you spending the time with us tonight. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. For Christopher Gabriel and for everybody here at Silver and Black tonight, I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week. I am sure there will be plenty of Raider news to share with you. For everyone here, take care, have a great week, and thanks for joining us here on Silver and Black tonight, only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.